This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Rays Radio Network. Swing it up, pop fly, shallow right, charging Margot. He is under it, and the Tampa Bay Rays have just won the American League pennant. For the second time in franchise history, the Rays are on their way to the World Series. Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. There's a swing and a drive, right center field. Back and it goes, bets to the wall. Get out of here! It's gone! And it's a record-setting ninth home run this postseason for Randy Arozarena. Coming up, we sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. Swing it a long drive, deep to left field. Going back is Gardner, all the way to the wall. It's gone! A home run for Mike Brasso. The Rays have taken a 2-1 lead and sweet justice in San Diego. Now here's your host, Neil Solons. Four days until opening day. Rays taking on the Atlanta Braves, someone they will see briefly in the regular season. Ryan Yarbrough, slated to start game two, will be opposite a guy he knows quite well in Charlie Morton. How long the starting pitchers stay on the mound today remains to be seen. Tyler Glass now five innings yesterday in his final tune-up, so expect something similar today. And on our program today, pitching certainly will be the topic as we'll be chatting with Kyle Snyder and Michael Waka. In the meantime, the Rays, in essence, have almost finalized their opening day roster today with some moves. They're down to 28, but that includes Brett Phillips and Jimon Choi, who will start on the injured list. They elected to option Josh Fleming, Chris Mazza, and also Trevor Richards. And with that, they keep Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Sheriff, and Ryan Thompson. So they've gone with slightly shorter relievers rather than length, in large part because they have three games, an off day, three games an off day and then two games in the first 10 days of the season and you have to keep your roster frozen the first 10 days of the season barring an injury so the Rays are obviously banking on the schedule being of benefit and they can change as we go and I would say anyone who got optioned is still likely to be here at some point the Rays are going to use a lot of pitchers I don't think there's any question about that on the backfields today four key relievers for the Rays will throw the second of back-to-backs Pete Fairbanks, Andrew Kittredge, Diego Castillo, and Ryan Thompson. Again, they are all to be on the opening day roster. On the program, as mentioned, it is pitching that we'll discuss today. Coming up on the show, we'll be chatting with one Michael Walker, who's made a really good impression. He will start the last game of spring training for the Rays, and he will pitch in game four against the Red Sox. We'll talk about how he's adjusted to Tampa Bay so far and much, much more when we come back. Thanks for listening. This is Countdown to Opening Day on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. Well, pitching is usually the name of the game for the Rays, and they brought in several individuals on free agent contracts, including one Michael Waka. And as camp winds down, I asked Michael what he's thought of Rays camp. Spring training has been going great so far. You know, it's uh... – it's, uh, it's right here around the corner, but camp has been going great. Uh, the progressions and the buildup uh, to the regular season has been going great and uh, no hiccups so far. And so everything, uh, you know, thumbs up for sure. 
We always hear from, you know, people who are here for the first time about how well run things are. How different are they from, let's say, your previous stops with St. Louis and New York? I would say this is a little bit different camp this year. And so I don't know if it's how the Rays have always done it or if it's uh, kind of a coronavirus type spring training type deal as well with, you know, the limits on how much we can be up at the field and things like that. But there has been some similarities and some differences for sure. But like I said, camp has been going great. You know, I feel like we get up there, we get our work done and get done with uh, with what we need to do. And I feel like games, uh, guys have been, you know, performing at a good level and making the steady progressions uh, for, for opening day. And so it, it's uh, it's been a great camp so far. And, you know, let's just keep on rolling for the next, next uh, little bit. For um, people who aren't familiar, the Rays tend to be a little conservative with their pitchers in camp, but I think especially this year, going from 60 to 162 games. How have they been with you, and how much do you think that will help you in terms of saving some bullets for the regular season? No, I think that's a that's a big deal for sure, and so that's definitely been one of the one of the main things they've been preaching is, hey, you know, if you need a day or two, you know, make sure you say something and get those days because there's no need in trying to fight through something now that could uh, cause you to miss some time in the in the season. And so, you know, it's been great the way Snides has been running it. I mean, it, it's very important to be able to feel good out there, out there on the mound. I mean, that goes a lot towards your confidence, towards your stuff and how it plays out there. And so, you want to be uh, feeling as good as possible out there. And so if that's, hey, take a day from throwing today or in a bullpen, let's uh, let's keep it a little bit lighter today, you know, and get out of here and save save a few bullets for, for game day. I mean, that's that's kind of what we got to do. What's it been like getting to know Kyle? And because he has such a good reputation in the industry. Uh, it's It's been great. You know, ever since, you know, that first call that he made in the offseason before I had even signed here, Everything has been great with him. You know, his his whole his whole deal at first was, hey, let's let's just get to get to know each other on a personal level at first, and you know, let's let's not even talk baseball on this first time. And so I thought that was a pretty cool uh, experience there, just getting to know a guy, and uh, you know, the baseball stuff will come, and and I'm looking forward to you know continuing this uh, relationship and this you know the communication and you know, uh, and growing it uh, throughout the season. I mean, it's only been a few weeks, but I feel like we've made some really good strides here. And uh, like I said, just looking to continue that. How about the training staff? Because they kind of work hand in hand with Kyle. And, and I think that, you know, like Charlie Morton had pitched, made more starts here than he had ever had. And obviously, you know, the goal is to make as many as you can. How have they been helpful so far? Yeah, I mean, the training staff's been great. Joe Benj in there, he's been amazing. And, you know, I've, I, over the years, you know, the training room, it used to have a stigma on, hey, you know, if you're, if you're in the training room, you know, it means that you're hurt. And so it, it was kind of like, hey, you don't want to be caught, caught in there. But nowadays it's, hey, make sure you're in the training room to get your, your, uh, your work done so you can stay healthy and stay out on the field uh, and keep playing. And so, those guys have been great in there. I mean, the recovery that they've got, they've, they've got it figured out pretty good in there. And, uh, you know, like I said, just still learning these guys and, you know, what they like to do and communicating on, you know, what I've done in the past and how we can keep moving this thing forward. And so 
you know, just continuing to build those relationships in the training room is, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that as well. Because of maybe the different things they do and that Kyle does, do you feel better maybe or stronger than you normally would this time of the spring? I, I've always felt pretty good in the spring, I would say, but I definitely feel really good right now uh, to go along with that. I'm, I feel like my stuff is a lot more advanced than it has been in the previous uh, years. And I mean, like, like, hey, it's a lot sharper, you know, a couple of weeks even leading into the season. And so I'm excited to, that where I'm at and, uh, and how I've been going, but that training staff and, you know, the combination with Snides, you know, they work hand in hand, like you were saying, and they've got it going on for sure. What do you see as your greatest strengths, Michael, as, as our uh, fans get to know a little bit about you on the mound? My greatest strengths, um, you know, I feel like I, I'm a really good com competitor. You know, I feel like I'm going to go out there and take the ball and give it everything I got. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outwin, I'm going to outcompete that guy that's in the box. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a strike thrower. When things are going well, my stuff's playing in the zone. I'm not walking guys and getting ahead of guys and pitching ahead. And I feel like that's when I'm the best. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like to win, too. You know, I like to that's, – that's what it's all about. Anything I can do to help the team win, uh, I'm all about it. And obviously you came here to do that since they came off a of World Series appearance. How much have you got been able to create a rapport with the other starting members? Because on so many good staffs, you hear the starting pitchers help push one another. And you've got really good guys like Glasnow and Yarbrough and veterans like Chris Archer and Rich Hill here, too. Yeah, no, we've we've got a heck of a staff here. And uh, like you said, that camaraderie uh, with those starters, um, you know, it, it it's a big deal for sure. So it's been it's been fun getting to know these guys. And, you know, whenever I'm throwing a bullpen they're hanging around watching um, whenever they're throwing a bullpen, we're all hanging around watching. We were all out back watching glass now start in the backfields, but you know, just, uh, just talking baseball, talking shop in the clubhouse is, is uh, you know, just building those relationships. And it's cool that we can, uh, we've got a lot of experience on there that we can uh, talk about quite a, quite a bit of a lot of things. And so it's a, uh, it's, it's some pretty cool conversations for sure. I thought the camaraderie was no more apparent than the way you guys all came out for Brent Honeywell this week. What did it mean to see a kid come back from what he's gone through? Yeah, so I was, uh, I guess he was the first person I met whenever I got onto, uh, I guess, to the facilities whenever uh, on day one. And he introduced himself and, you know, I just uh, heard about his story and, you know, just, you know, the obstacles that he's had to overcome and everything. But it was a uh, it was a really cool build up uh, leading into it and seeing everybody out there supporting him and having his back out there on the mound was was really cool and you could see how special he was. I mean he's he's always hanging around he's always supporting his teammates and being the best teammate out there and so it's a uh, it's really cool whenever those guys get back out there and succeed. I mean I've had my own share of struggles and injuries and so. I know what it's like getting back out there and performing in front of your boys is uh, is always special for sure. Spring training has been going great really so far. You know, it's, when, uh, uh, Michael it's, uh, really interesting stuff there from Michael Waka, and certainly appreciate him coming on the program today. Neil Solon's with you on Countdown to Opening Day, and great to get his thoughts on uh, his first spring with Tampa Bay. Now, Kyle Snyder spent more than a couple springs 
with the Rays and certainly has a pretty good understanding of what the Rays are trying to do pitching-wise. When we come back to Countdown Opening Day, we'll hear from him. We'll continue from Port Charlotte right after this on 95.3 WDAE and AM620. Neil Solon's with you on Countdown to Opening Day. Dave and Andy with the play-by-play of the Rays and Braves at the top of the hour. Hey, Rays single-game tickets are on sale now for a select number of home games. Don't miss your chance to watch the defending AL champs in action. Go to RaysBaseball.com today to secure your tickets and raise up. Well, Kyle Snyder's been the pitching coach now for the Rays for several seasons, and I asked Kyle whether he feels better or worse about the staff now than he did at the start of spring training, and this is pre-Nick Anderson injury, but he said he definitely felt better. The familiarity is helpful, you know, especially, you know, just with some new faces, um, you know, some veteran presence, uh, and even some of the, you know, the NRIs that, you know, that, that were brought in and, and that have done a good job with the opportunity that they've been provided. But, you know, spring training's, uh, you know, it's a busy time, but it's also a time that's, that's a fulfilling, you know, period as well. And it gives you, you know, an idea of what you're looking at for the season and, and, and how to best deploy you know, a lot of the guys that we've had in camp and especially with an additional thousand innings to pitch this year compared to last year, um, you know, Stan and myself certainly like a lot of what we see. Is it because of the depth that you have? What do you like the most? Yeah, it's the depth. You know, I think it's the different looks. Again, a lot of the things that we've talked a little bit about over the last couple of years, things that we prioritize, a little bit of contrast, how guys just arrive and how they, how they arrive differently. And just different sets of strengths. We got a lot of really good breaking balls in camp, you know, and I think the, the fan base is going to see a lot of those thrown probably throughout the course of this year coming up. But, uh, you know, it's I think it's a combination of the talent and the depth. You know, I mean, we've talked a lot about the depth, but I think the talent is really going to shine through, um, you know, as we start the season here on, uh, on April 1st. You mentioned the challenge of the innings. How many guys will you have built up by opening day in terms of let's say whether it's five innings or five ups or 70, 75 pitches, and how many do you think you need at the start of the year? Because um, once you get by that first week, you got a, a lot of games in a short period of time. Well, I mean, depth is always something early on, um, you know, that, that you know we have to be really mindful of, especially given, you know, the construct of this year. Um, but, you know, a Chris Maz is going to be ready to go 70 pitches. Um, you know, you saw Trevor Richards at 73. Uh, Glasnow, Yarborough, Waka, Hill, and Archer will be close. Archer and Mazza's workloads will probably be somewhat similar. But I, I think just considering that, um, you know, we're going to have other guys such as, you know, Dietrich Enns and, you know, Chris Ellis, um, you know, definitely at, at 70 pitches as well once we get into the first week of the season. And understanding that the first 10 days, unless there's an injury, um, you, know, you know, we're going to have to, you know, potentially count on, you know, one of those arms as well. So there's never enough <laughs> in terms of just making sure that you're covered. Um, and we just need to know that we have enough pitches, you know, for each game so we're not overexposing guys too early on in the season. And how do you plan on using a Colin McHugh? I know you've been more like a 2-3 inning guy with him so far. That's right, yeah. I mean, he's going to be kind of a jack of all trades and, and probably the guy that we're going to have to be you know, most cognizant of his of his workload, just kind of given the fact that, you know, he's done this in the past, um, you know, but, you know, he's up to, he's, he's going to be 50 pitch ready. Um, he can pitch in front of guys, he can pitch in a bulk role, he can pitch in a multi-inning, you know, weapon uh, role. It could be, it could be really a number of different things. And I think he's going to come extremely big for us, just given that versatility. The guys that you have who could start at least at the beginning of the season or bulk, 
Yarborough Hill, Archer Waka, Glasnow, they're all very different. How many times do you think you're going to need openers in front of them because of the variety of looks they give? It, that's, that probably remains to be seen. It's going to carry. We'll probably have more conversations about it once the season starts and as the season begins to unfold. I could very, you know, very easily see 30 guys or 30 different times that we open for guys throughout the course of the year. You know, a lot of times that's going to be predicated on the matchup. Um, and, you know, just, you know, guys that, that we feel uh, might benefit from that, you know, be it the soft landing at the front of the game or just the simple fact that we feel comfortable with this guy workloads, be it midseason. Uh, there could be a number of different reasons why we do it. And um, I think this season, if any season's built for it, it's, it's, it's this season. And, and we're certainly going to be probably as prepared for it. It is just about anybody given, you know, the fluidness in which we've used our arms here over the last few years. With Tyler Glass now, he's obviously got not only top of the rotation stuff, but top of the league stuff. How much has the third pitch that he's developed helped him so far this spring? Yeah, the third pitch is going to be huge for him, Neil, just in the sense that it's going to force hitters to hit. It's going to give him a chance, you know, to land a breaking pitch, you know, that isn't his curveball at 85 miles an hour at the release height that it was. And and honestly, the curveball almost has to come up out of his hand just given the release height and the amount of depth that he creates on it to be able to find the strike zone before two strikes with it. Now, I think the slider is definitely going to come in really handy for him, whether it be, it'd be pre-2K or just with a guy. You know, He's going to be able to put guys away with it as well. Uh, the, the pitch looked, in particular, really good the other day. Um, and it's been a bit of a work in progress, but we've certainly seemed to have fine-tuned it a bit here over the last, you know, seven to ten days, tweaking the grip a little bit and trying to adjust hand position. But I think it's going to be a huge, huge boost for Tyler um, in, in making him more of a complete pitcher, despite the size of the fastball and, 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 and the breaking ball, the, the true curveball being arguably as good as any curveball in the game. You've got to manage workloads for everybody, but can he handle the biggest workload of the guys in the group this year? When you look at the body and you look at just, you know, um, just the, the power profile that he brings, you know, how hard he works, you know, what he puts into it, you know, how hard he worked in January and February and the pitches that he has beneath him. I think he's probably the guy, Yarborough, you know, just historically speaking, has carried pretty big workloads as well. It wouldn't surprise me if both of those guys were the two guys that we leaned on as far as the larger workloads were concerned. But we're going to still monitor that. And you guys very carefully have managed the young pitchers, Patinos, McClanahan's, Joe Ryan's. How much of an impact do you think they will have on this year? And how careful do you guys have to watch them over the first let's say six weeks of the year? I think the first six weeks is, is going to be key. You know, I, I think April's more or less going to represent their spring training. And, and I think that they're all going to play a part. I, I, I'm, I have all the confidence in the world, just given their talent, given the length of the season, given the additional number of innings that are going to be needed to pit, be pitched in the regular season. And, you know, also going to, you know, we're going to have to probably be mindful of some of the guys like Rich and Colin, even Michael Waka and certainly Chris Archer, you know, just based off of coming off of years that two of them didn't pitch, you know, and the other two pitched with, you know, lesser workloads than, you know, Yarborough and Glasnow did, given that we played an additional 18 games in the postseason. So I think those guys will come up big for, for a number of reasons, A, because they deserve it, and, and B, just because depth is going to play such a critical role in the year. You know, it, by the end of the season, you know, I, I really would anticipate, 
you know, we get into September and we're going to have, you know, a slew of quality arms to to really kind of, you know, narrow down if we have an opportunity to play some some postseason baseball and, and, and determine, you know, who those best options might be at that point. At the beginning of the year, it certainly appears Michael Walker that will play a big role. How impressed have you been this spring with him and uh, how good can he be at the early part of the year? I've been really impressed with, with, with the pitcher, with the person, just his demeanor. Um, you know, obviously spent a lot of time in St. Louis with their culture, being around guys like Adam and Wainwright and their culture of pitching. Um, I think that's going to be a boost to the clubhouse and around some of our younger, more impressionable pitchers as well. Really impressed with the stuff. You know, uh, was really unlucky la- last year if you really look beneath the surface at his, just at his stuff, his strike, you know, his uh, swing and strike rate. You know, his walks per nine, um, and a lot of that has really been on display, you know, since he's been since, since he's been building up in A games. And he likes to stay in A games. We're going to see him again here in a couple of days uh, through a really good bullpen today as well, and he's been a lot of fun to work with. But uh, I expect big things out of Michael. I really do, just given, you know, the stuff is back to, to the, t- you know, days of when he was with St. Louis, and, you know, now it's just a matter of just going out there and putting it to work. And there are still some roster decisions to be made. Kyle, how much of the first 10 days comes down to the fact that you're facing very heavily right-handed teams, the Marlins, the Red Sox, the Yankees? Well, I mean, we're definitely a team that that, that factors in the matchup probably as much, if not more, than most. Um, And I think it will factor in a little bit as we get out the gate. Um, You know, our division this year is a lot more right-handed heavy than it's been in years past. You know, but at the same time, we value... You know, multi-inning relievers the way, you know, more than most do as well. And, and, and we have quite a few guys that we would consider to be pretty neutral, despite the handedness of some of the clubs that we're going to be up against on the early going. And that is Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. Interesting stuff from him, though. The roster decisions apparently have been made with the Rays going with a little shorter relievers. But that's in large part due, I think, to the schedule as well. Three games off day, three games off day before the next two against the New York Yankees allow you to really use your pitching staff a little bit differently than you will when you get 30 games in 31 days, which is that stretch that will follow the first two series of the season. But certainly something that will be discussed on the broadcast today with Dave and Andy. And we will join you next for This Week in Rays Baseball on Saturday. It'll be our first program of the season since there will be no game on Easter Sunday. That is a full hour of action before the Rays pregame show. Dave and Andy have the play-by-play coming up. I want to remind you that, uh, well, first of all, we want to thank Michael Waka for being on the program and Kyle Snyder. And if you missed any of it, You'll be able to catch it on archive on Apple Podcasts or RaysBaseball.com slash podcast. And certainly thanks on site to both Mark Hayes and Chris Miller and Derek DuBose back at our studios. It's the Rays against the Braves, the final spring training home game of 2021. Dave and Andy have the play-by-play next on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Opening Day. Swing line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run. If you missed any of the show, download it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. And now they've got a call between third and home. The ball gets away. And the score rolls arena. The Rays have won. Opening day will be here before you know it. They're trying to catch him in the outfield and they can't. That has got to be one of the most unlikely endings to a World Series game in the history of baseball. The Rays have won it 8-7 on a base hit by Phillips. For ticket information, visit RaysBaseball.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 